Hello and welcome to Heads or Tails. I am one of your hosts, Jasper Jett. I am the other host, Indiana. And we are just two friends that wanted to make a podcast where we talk to each other and all of you about biology, because it's fun. And every month we pick something fun for the other to research and then interview them about it. And every other episode, we flip a coin to see who gets to be interviewed first. Uh, we flipped last episode, so we'll be flipping next episode. And this week, Andy is interviewing me about banded water cobras. And just disclaimer, like we do every episode, we are not professionals. This is just really easy, basic research that's for fun. Always... Do your own research if you want to know more. And with that out of the way, I will get into my sort of basic description. So, banded water cobra. Scientific name is nausea annulata, probably. I'll never know if I'm pronouncing any of these names right. Um, but so, as for kind of how it got its name and what that means is... Nausea is a, a genus of venomous elapid snakes known as true cobras. There are false cobras. This is a true cobra. Uh, the word itself is believed to come from the Sanskrit word naga, which means snake, but not totally sure on that. Um, as for the second word, annulata, I could find it in the dictionary, actually, but it was kind of a long definition with a lot of other big words in it that I wasn't willing to look up. But what I got from it was pretty much that it means animals that are bilaterally symmetrical. Um, physical descriptions, they can grow up to seven feet in length. About four to seven feet is the average with a maximum ever recorded of nine feet. Um, the majority of the body is either a reddish or grayish brown color with black bands all the way down the body until it reaches the tail, which is entirely black. Uh, they look very similar to the false water cobra. See, I just said there's false cobras and true cobras. This one's a false cobra. Uh, it hoods up and everything like a regular cobra, but it does not belong to the genus Nausea. False water cobras exhibit mimicry, which I won't get super into because I would like to do a separate episode on this snake one day. It's one of my uh, dream pet snakes, but it's only for experienced keepers. Mm. Um, but they're really good for comparing to the real water cobra. They are similarly colored. They have black bands all the way down the body as well. But the real water cobra's bands are much more solid and thicker. Uh, false water cobras also have black markings that go uh, from the eyes along the sides of the head. So it kind of looks like a cute little mask, very pretty. And their bands go all the way down the tail instead of turning solid black at the tail. And uh, with all of that, I am ready for your questions, Indy. Okay, so my very first question is where does it live? So they are native to parts of Central and Western Africa, and as you can guess by the water cobra part of the name, it is mostly aquatic dwelling and is hardly ever found far away from water. So along lakes and rivers in foresty areas, uh, just well-wooded terrain where cover is sufficient if you find 
rivers or lakes, that's where you'll find this. All right. Um, my next question after that is, what does it eat? So they prey almost exclusively on fish with the occasional amphibian. You know, anything that strays close enough to the water is in the water. Uh, but I doubt that they would turn down any other prey, like rodents, like you would feed snakes in captivity. Uh, other water snakes do eat rodents in captivity, but in the wild, it's almost exclusively fish. Very, very cool. Uh, my next question is, we know it's all black and white and stuff, but are there any color morphs? So I couldn't find any, and that's, it usually is difficult to see morphs in species that aren't commonly kept or kept as pets, since, uh, since color morphs and mutations do occur in the wild sometimes, they're a lot more rare, and those individuals usually have a much shorter lifespan. Since they stick out, they either can't blend in to hide from predators and are eaten, or stick out too much to hide and hunt for prey and starve. Well, that, that dovetails nicely into my question and kind of answers my next question, which was, uh, have they been domesticated? Yes, it does go right into that. So the short answer is no. Uh, and you can interpret the question two ways and the answer is still no. Um, are they kept like pets? No. Uh, I couldn't find anything about it. Um, and for anyone who isn't aware and is thinking like, of course nobody keeps it. It's venomous. No, there are keepers that keep venomous snakes. It's a little dangerous, but... Mm. Uh, and it's definitely not out of the question that they're kept in zoos or something like that, but they're not really kept as pets. Um, if you want to interpret it as, are they domesticated like cats and dogs? No, no snakes are. They're all wild animals. Okay, well... My next question, since obviously people don't keep them, is are there any cultural significance around this snake? Um, there usually are for cobras in general in certain places of the world, but I couldn't find anything for the banded water cobra in particular. They're not very well studied. It was actually hard to find information on them. They're not super well documented or anything. Hmm. Well, those were all of my questions, so uh, what did you find in the little documentation there was? So, in what I could find, I did find a little bit about how, uh, while they may be slow on land, they are excellent swimmers, holding their breath for up to 10 minutes, and they can dive up to 82 feet or 25 meters, which is absolutely crazy. I wouldn't have thought that they could dive so far. Um, the banded water cobra also is only one of two species of water cobra in the world, uh, the other being the Congo water cobra. Um, their venom also is not well studied, uh, but we do know that it is a neurotoxin, so affecting nerves and nerve tissue. Um, uh, but they're they're not really known to be super aggressive, uh, as most snakes aren't. Most snakes aren't known for being aggressive. They'll all 
run away if approached first or give you a fair warning before biting, but this one also will usually run away, especially if it's in the water, because it's pretty fast. Uh, on land, it may rear up and show off its just sweet hood that they have, but they normally don't make any forward movements towards you and only bite when provoked. So don't provoke it. Uh, that leads into my little mini rant that I'm going to go on this episode, which is basically, don't be dumb. Don't provoke snakes ever. Don't ever approach them in the wild or pick them up or handle them. Uh, doesn't really matter how sure you are that it's non-venomous or how confident you are in ability not to get it, especially if you're not, like, a professional. There are people who do this professionally, and that's fine, but generally, leave them alone. Uh, a lot of snakes have really good mimicry, like the false water cobra that I mentioned earlier, or they just look really similar. So you could think that they're safe, but they're not. And even if it's not venomous, a snake bite is can still be serious. Even non-venomous snakes have can have pretty large fangs sometimes, and they'll also sometimes hang on to you when they bite and not let go. Um, it runs the risk of getting infected especially because handling any reptile can lead to the risk of getting diseases. They do sometimes carry diseases like salmonella or botulism. Even handling pet snakes, it's important to read body language and be gentle and respectful to avoid bites. And remember not to touch your face and also wash your hands like we should be doing all the time, but especially after handling reptiles to avoid sickness. And, uh, that's what I've got. Alright, so, once again, I am Indiana. And I am Jasper Jet. And you can find our podcast at Heads or Tales 20 on Twitter, Heads or Tales Official Podcast on Facebook, or email us at Heads or Tales Official Podcast at, at gmail.com, particularly if you have any questions for us about the next topic that you want us to answer for you, which, uh, Jasper, what is my next topic? So, your next topic is going to be the Golden Poison Frog, I think it's called. I didn't, I forgot to have it pulled up. Golden Poison Frog. So, <laughs> cute little tiny frog. Ask any questions you want about it, there'll be, uh, something posted on the Twitter for you to reply to. All right, and then, just like last time, we have a Black-owned business to shout out. Um, another one that I myself personally ordered from. So this one is Maya's Cookies. Maya'scookies.com, Maya spelled M-A-Y-A. -A. Uh, they make gourmet vegan cookies. And uh, I myself am not vegan, personally. Uh, some of my family is, and I am lactose intolerant, so I eat a lot of vegan food, and I gotta be honest, it kind of sucks. It's really hard to find vegan food that tastes good, especially snacks, sweets. Uh, this business has totally blown up on Twitter already, uh, and so orders take sometimes about two weeks to be shipped, but I gotta be honest, like, I ordered a pack with almost all the flavors in it, and it was well worth the weight and the price. No joke, I ate them all in, like, one day. They're all good. Every flavor. Uh, there's tons of really cool, like, they're gourmet cookies. They've got really cool flavors. There's even, like, a butterscotch cookie in there, and I thought I wouldn't like it because I hate butterscotch, but it was probably my favorite. It's really good. 
I probably would order more right now, but I'm moving, so online shopping hard. But That's definitely, <laughs> but definitely check that out. Uh, ten out of ten would recommend. Okay, so that was everything for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.